SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, so we got a lot to get to in this hour of the program. Mid-Major Matt will join us for picks and plays coming up tonight in college basketball. Get his thoughts on the game, on the slate tonight. And then we'll talk to Chris Dobberdeen, a little bracketology about teams on the bubble, trying to make some noise, trying to get themselves into the NCAA tournament at large bids. It's going to be a different type of year, obviously, when it comes to evaluating resumes and who should be in and who should be out. The criteria for teams that are worthy of an at-large bid as well will be difficult to get into. So we'll get to Chris Dobberdeen coming up at 40 past. There are some interesting games tonight, and it all kind of revolves around the Utah Jazz and what's happening tonight for Utah and a team that has been stupid against the number. The Utah Jazz are 19-1-1 against the number over the last 21 games. That is unreal. It's just, it's been an ATM machine. Everyone, including me, we've all been betting it. It's like the Nets over, but even better than betting on the Nets over, just because the books don't know what to do. So Utah is 22 and 7 straight up. Sorry, 22 and 7 against the number. They're 24 and 5 straight up. And 19 1 and 1 over the last 21 games. They're back on the road tonight against a LA Clippers team, and we got to see who's playing. Okay, let's see who's in. Is Kawhi Leonard playing? My guess would be yes. Is Paul George playing? My guess would be yes. And my guess is that if this was any other type of matchup, the Clippers would be favored here. The Clippers should be favored here. I mean, you're getting two and a half points or so on a home team, and the Clippers that equally have been extremely good against the number. And so... I mean, now the number's four and a half. Oh my goodness. It's four and a half now. You're paying taxes and you're paying just, this is just the book saying, okay, taking a bet and moving, taking a bet and moving. I bet two and a half last night because I've been riding this and I just, I just believe on riding trends. I bet last night with the Lakers and the Nets, I bet the over 233 and a half. It crashed down to 230. I bet that because, well, it had been hitting so consistently. I just said, I'm going to ride this and keep on betting it until it knocked me off. And I, I said, the Lakers under is the right side with this. I mean, I, I talked about it. It's the right side. I think the Clippers are the right side, but until, you know, and I'll reassess the Nets and I'll kind of look back at the Nets a little bit and I'll watch their games a little bit and I will probably bet an over for the Nets for a couple of games and then I'll get back involved with it. But, I, you know, if they're going to have this recommitment or this new commitment to defense, maybe you have to be careful with these, you know, maybe the over train will stop for the Nets. But I, I just, I don't think you can make a case right now for betting against Utah. It's either Utah or no play. And, the number, I don't like four and a half. This number, again, I think the Clippers should be favored. <laughs> it's just that the Clippers now are catching four and a half points at home. How do you not bet the Clippers at home tonight? And the reason is, the reason why you're not going to is because the Utah Jazz are covering at a 75% clip. It's ridiculous. And the way they're playing, they're just possessed at the moment. Are they peaking too early? I don't know. Are they the best team in the Western Conference? Yes. 100%. And if Anthony Davis is out long-term, 
and he's out for the year, hypothetically, if he re-injures that Achilles, if it is an Achilles injury, not a calf injury, and he actually is hurt, and he's done, the Lakers, you saw it last night, the Lakers without Anthony Davis, they're bad. I mean, I know they were without a couple other players as well, but they're just not a good basketball team to the caliber of winning the Western Conference without Anthony Davis. They need Anthony Davis, period. If they have him, they can win the whole thing. Again, they can repeat. But without him, forget it. And Utah has taken this thing with the, you know, has taken the the bubble version of Spider and, 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 and what we've seen out of the Jazz, and they've just continued on here into the 2021 season, and they're outstanding. I mean, just outstanding. They're not just winning games. That's the thing about the Jazz. They're not just winning, and they're not just covering. They're covering by significant amounts. And it's you start looking at it, and you're like, what is going on? What is up with this team? Where did this come from? How did they just kind of turn this on and start playing this way and covering these numbers? The books don't know what to do with it. Over this latest run, where they have covered nine straight games, the Utah Jazz have covered by 18, 11, 18, 14, 14, 8, 17, and 21. That is what they've covered the spread by. Not the spread itself. That's what they're covering it by. They're not just covering the number. They're eviscerating the number. And so how in the world do you as a bookmaker put a lineup that's going to entice somebody to bet the dog? So again, the first number of the first game was two. The line went off at six and a half because of the Kawhi Leonard news. No Paul George, then no Kawhi Leonard. The line was six and a half, and all the money came in on Utah. They won the game by 18. Tonight, or today, the line opened up, or yesterday rather, the line opened up at two again. It was bet up. I got it at two and a half, so I got it a little bit earlier, a little bit later than I wanted to, but I got it at two and a half. I was on two the day before. And two and a half, and now it's four and a half, and it's climbing. And if Kawhi is out again, that number probably cl- you know, could climb to seven, eight, nine. I mean, who knows where that thing closes if either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or both, if they're both out again tonight, Utah is going to win this game going away again. And if you're a bookmaker, it's just kind of like you're just taking your medicine here because you can't put a number up. You don't want to put a 10 up because then the dog is going to get all the action. And if Utah doesn't show up, you get buried by the pros. It's a fascinating game tonight in the NBA. It's absolutely fascinating. I'm on Utah minus two and a half. Lines four and a half now. Tough. Next, mid-major Matt joins us. Let's talk college basketball games. St. Louis and Dayton. Toledo in Buffalo. Next year. Push. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, some good games to get into tonight in college basketball. And really, if you look at the Friday night slate, a lot of these are non-Power 5 conference teams we can get into. So why not get the mid-major Matt? at Midmajor Matt on Twitter to follow him on these games tonight here on Pushing the Odds. Matt, Matt Peralt, happy Friday. How are you? Happy Friday to you as well. Not to mention we got FCS football tonight, so that's always uh, fun to watch as well. Are you, in, are you going to be involved with Northern Iowa and South Dakota State at all? 
I uh, I already have Northern Iowa plus two and a half, so I'm uh, I'm good for tonight. I'm debating the under, or at least maybe an early under, thinking that uh, both these defenses show up. I think we remember the college football season in the FBS uh, that the defenses were ahead of the offenses in a lot of parts, and uh, there are two good defenses tonight. I love it. I'm on the same exact bet. You and I plus two and a half. I love it. So, uh, look, I, I'm shocked that South Dakota State is giving points there in a game on the road in the Dome where they're going to have 2,700 fans with a really good defense and the better quarterback being on the Panther side of the field. So I'm with you. I'm all over Northern Iowa tonight, and that game's on ESPN+. Plus. So I'm psyched to watch some college football tonight. And, yes, it is college football, real football. It's FCS football tonight. So, all right, let, let's stick with the Midwestern part of the country here for a second and talk about St. Louis and Dayton. So we had Mike Corey on from ESPN earlier who's calling that game tonight. I like St. Louis. I laid five and a half last night here. I know Dayton won the first game, but that was after the COVID layoff, the 30-plus days for St. Louis. Three out of four of the losses for Dayton. St. Louis has played better of late. The line's going the other way, though. Money's coming in here on Dayton. It's minus five now. Any thought on St. Louis and Dayton? So uh, if you go back to that first matchup, it was impressive how Dayton, who is a smaller team, was able to hang and actually rebound uh, St. Louis 32-30 in that game. But as you said, you can't really take out too much from that thing because uh, St. Louis was coming off their long pause. Dayton was up all game and had been playing good basketball. I mean, the key is Yuri Collins. It looks like Yuri Collins is going to play tonight. And what's going to happen is you're going to think that Dayton's going to come bring everybody in and make St. Louis a jump-shooting team. Um, I never like laying that many points on the road. St. Louis is playing good basketball. Winners of four straight. I mean, Dayton's playing good as well. St. Louis actually has a tough stretch. Dayton, VCU, and Richmond are next three, and the game at VCU is on Tuesday night. So they need to keep winning if they hope to make their way up the A-10 standings and then, you know, keep their standing in terms of the field of 68. But uh, I would lean to Dayton here. I don't love either side. I didn't play the game, but you can't really take too much from the first meeting because, as you said, it was after a month-long break. So there is a total tonight that I have gotten involved with that was disgusting when I bet it. It's even more disgusting now, Matt. Toledo at Buffalo tonight. The total is 164. I bet the over at 162. It opened up at 159.5. So major steam here on two teams that average over 80 points per game. They don't play much defense. They both give up over 72 points per game. One question, is there a total, a number you just won't play in college basketball? And two, any thoughts on the over for Toledo and Buffalo tonight. Well, we talked about it with Creighton. I mean, I'm a guy who likes to play the first half overs. Uh, you, uh, you know, you, as we've talked about, for people who aren't familiar, the first half overs. Now, granted, it's you know you don't get the late fouling that happens in the second half, but the first half is is less than half the number. And you look, Toledo is tenth in the country at 39.1 points per game in the first half. Um, at home or on the road, it's not so bad. It's 38.8. You look at Buffalo, Buffalo's not as good as them when it comes to the first half. And of course, there is some worry about this because once you get to about the minute mark and teams start setting up last possessions and things like that, Buffalo, by the way, 37.3 points in the first half. They're averaging 40.3 uh, points in the first half over their last three games. You know, I love Toledo. Toledo honestly has one of the hottest offenses in America. If you look since the start of this year, the number of times they've scored 80 or more is ridiculous. So I almost wish I would, and I would go to maybe Toledo's team total over. They scored 87 against Miami, Ohio, 81 against Bowling Green, 91 against Akron, 84 against Bowling Green, 90 against Miami, Ohio, so on and so forth. 
Toledo's going to carry a lot of this total, so I almost want to take the team total over as opposed to the game over, which is probably a number that I'm not as comfortable with. <laughs> That's a big number. How do you feel about Buffalo being the favorite there, given what they've done over the last three games where they've covered easily, winning games by nearly 20 points over the last three games? Well, yeah, but you look at their opponents. Western Michigan's terrible. Miami, Ohio on the road is not as good. And Ball State, that was an impressive win uh, at Ball State winning by 20. But, uh, you know, it's a Ball State team that's kind of been up in the air. They've had some COVID issues, some injury issues. Um, you know, I, you look at what Toledo has done poorly. That road game at Ball State sticks out. And then they lost the game at home against Bowling Green. But Bowling Green finally played like the Bowling Green team we thought they would be before the season. You know, Toledo's not as strong on the road. But, you know, I do kind of agree. I think that's about the right line. They're essentially saying that on a you know neutral court, this is a pick em game. So they're giving them a slight edge on Buffalo in terms of being the home. Team. So, a couple of Mountain West Conference games, Matt. First one, Utah State, Boise State. The first game won by Boise State. The line was one and a half. Same two teams, same line, one and a half. Boise do it again, or can Utah State get the equalizer tonight? Well, for people who follow me on Twitter, I love Boise. I mean, I take their team total over regularly, especially at home. They just they regularly score 75, 80 points at the, at, at the Taco Bell Center, if that's, or unless that's what it still is. You know, they are having about 900 fans. That's, uh, that's a good thing for, for Boise State. Um, I think we get a better effort from Utah State, though. This is a defensive-minded team that was coming off a 13-day layoff, and it looked like it at times. You know, and, and if uh, Quita can stay out of foul trouble, I, I think Utah State can win this game. I kind of went into this series thinking it was going to be a split. Um, I don't feel comfortable that it's only one and a half. I might look to live bet it. Maybe Boise State gets out to a little bit of a lead or whatever. But I think Utah State takes this game tonight. I just may look for a live betting situation to take advantage of it. I definitely don't like the over because I think Utah State's going to bring the defense this time. It's almost like that series Boise State had um, against UNLV where they flexed their muscle the first game and then the second game was a lot tighter and a lot uh, smaller scoring. Speaking of UNLV, Matt, you got UNLV on the road at San Jose State, and I know that San Jose State's not a very good basketball team, one of the worst in the conference, but 15? UNLV laying 15 points on the road? I mean, don't you almost have to take the home dog catching 15 tonight? Uh, I mean, it's San Jose State. Here's the funny fact about this. This is their very first home game of the season. The state of California has finally allowed San Jose State to actually play in their home gymnasium because they had been on neutral courts. And I think it was um, in uh, Texas they were playing or wherever it was. But San Jose right. State's playing their first home game. Um, I actually played something in this game. I took the team total under for San Jose State. It was 65 and a half. For some reason, I wish it was more. Ken Palm has them scoring 70 tonight. San Jose State has scored 70 like twice all season. Um, I think UNLV's defense shows up. Uh, it, it'll all depend on if Richard Washington plays. That's San Jose State's leading scorer. He, uh, if he does play, then maybe you could look to San Jose State. If they don't play, they may not even get out of the 50s. So uh, I can't lay that many points with UNLV, but I'm certainly not taking San Jose State. That's why I took the team total under for the Spartans tonight. All right, Matt, got about a minute left. Is there a game tonight that you're eyeballing, a game that play that you like tonight? Yeah, I like the over in the Hawaii game tonight. I know it's not the late-night special because they're actually on the mainland, but uh, you've got a Northridge team that plays no defense whatsoever. Uh, they're going up against a Hawaii team whose defense has struggled at times. They've gone over a bunch of their games on the mainland. I think we see some rust early on, but Northridge's defense is so bad that I think they carry this number. I got in at 144, and uh, I think it's around that number right now, but I think Hawaii and Northridge goes over the total tonight.
Hawaii, Northridge. It's 145 on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now with Northridge as the three-and-a-half-point home dogs tonight. You're right, Hawaii. That's a 715 Eastern time start, so it's on the East Coast. for It's on the uh, the mainland for us, as you said, for that. Matt, good stuff, my friend. Best of luck tonight. Always appreciate the conversation. We'll catch up soon, all right? No problem. Thanks for having me. At mid-major Matt on Twitter to follow him on uh, on pushing the odds here, so he likes the over for the Hawaii Northridge game. Uh, I I think that's an interesting play on the team total. So I, I've got this thing going with UNLV that I make one play on every game involving UNLV. I'm eight and eight so far, so maybe I do need to switch things up a little bit. So San Jose State team total under I like. I've played a lot of team total unders with, with New Mexico. And they're taking on Wyoming tonight at home as six-point dogs. I've done that a lot. So maybe it's a good philosophy to take that with UNLV and San Jose State and take San Jose at home on a team total under, and UNLV takes the air out of the ball, which they've done a lot defensively this year. They've played slowly compared to what they've what T. Jotzenberger has done in the past with his teams at South Dakota State and now UNLV. Interesting stuff. Good stuff. We'll talk more about college basketball next year. I'm pushing the sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com 702-751 matt is our text line 702-751-6288 thanks to mid-major matt for coming on good stuff with him his pick tonight with Hawaii and Cal State Northridge. He likes these California teams. That's back-to-back games. He's come up with these Cal State teams. Either Cal State Northridge, Bakersfield, Santa Barbara. He's He, he likes the, the Cal system. Uh, Riverside, Fullerton, Irvine, all these different California teams. So he likes Northridge tonight. Hawaii and Northridge to go over the 145. He's in at 144 and a half. At the FanDuel Sportsbook, you can get it at 145 right now uh, for Hawaii and Cal State Northridge. A little game off the beaten path, but on a Friday night, he's a great guy to put on because he's he dives deep into this stuff. And, and look, this is one of those... I know a lot of professional gamblers will talk about this, that like there's no value in the big games. The big games are the sharpest lines, the most action, the teams are the most highly scrutinized, and the public's going to come in and bet sides. So the public is going to be, you know, the the bookmakers are paying attention closely to those types of games where the non-big games, the the Mountain West Conference games at 10 o'clock Eastern or the games in the Big West or the Big Sky or these conferences that don't get a ton of attention – that's where bookmakers hate it because it's basically one or two professionals up against them. There's not the liquidity in the market that enables the bookmakers to basically play off on both sides to know that there's going to be money coming in on the other side where maybe there's like five bets on Robert Morris in Detroit tonight and the professionals are all on Robert Morris and the public has no interest in betting unless you're in Michigan. No one's betting on Detroit and Robert Morris. So that's part of the problem for the professionals or the or the bookmakers with the professionals is they get hit on these games. And like we always say, the biggest advantage that we have as players when it comes to sports gambling is that we get to pick and choose what games we bet. The professionals, they they know this more than anybody. They get to find the the angle. The book has to put a line up. They got to hang a number on everything. We don't have to bet everything. We just look for their mistake. We look for where they're off and then we take we can take advantage of that number when the bookmaker hung, hangs a number that's just not right. So while 
you may go, why are you guys talking about Dayton and St. Louis so much? And why are you talking about Cal State, Northridge, and Hawaii? Well, that's because we're trying to find value. We're trying to find angles. And we're trying to find teams that maybe the, the general public, you don't have a ton of information on, or you haven't seen a whole lot of, but you start diving into their numbers and you start looking around to seeing how they are against the number. And you start going, oh, okay, maybe there is something there. And maybe there is a, an angle or a way of making money. That's what we were talking about with the, with the Super Bowl, right? It's an incredible game. It's a ton of fun to bet the Super Bowl. But the Super Bowl, you can get the most down in terms of the liquidity of the market. So the books will take a really high limit in terms of what they'll take from action. But unless you're a professional sports gambler, the, the, you can get 50 buck, bucks down on anything. So like, unless you're coming in with you know four-figure, five-figure bets on the Super Bowl, it's not the, quote, Super Bowl for you. It's just a big game. That's why I went in. I made quarter unit bets on all eight of my plays on the Super Bowl. Really, all 11 of my plays. I went 10-1 and one betting on the Super Bowl. For my podcast picks, I went 8-0 you know, uh, for, for the Daily Juice. And, and, the, and, I, and I bet a quarter unit. Okay, if I'd come in and bet full units, I would have been up, you know, way up. Would have been up 9, 10 units. Would have been huge. But I wasn't going to do that because, of one, I wasn't anticipating to go 8-0. You know. But secondly, it... It's the Super Bowl. The lines are incredibly sharp. It's just not really where I wanted to get caught, and I had been so bad in the in the playoffs. I had been just getting crushed in the postseason that I didn't feel like getting crushed again. I, I didn't feel like going down even more if I was going to continue to have a really bad run. So, you know, that's partly on me. I should have had half a unit going in all those bets instead I had a quarter unit going in all those bets. But, you know, I, I was able to win and, and, and inclu- increase my percentage of winning, but just not my overall bankroll by doing that. But, you know, that's just kind of how you look at it. And I... You know, this game, Hawaii and Cal State Northridge, it's the same as any other game. So Hawaii is six and six to the over this year. Cal State Northridge is eight and six to the over this year, in case you're curious. And uh, in conference play, five and three and six and six for both teams when it comes to the over. So Matt likes the over on Cal State Northridge and Hawaii. Uh, we'll get to Chris Doberdeen coming up in the next segment a bit on what's happening for uh, Bracketology, who is in and who is out from Bracketology. I only have one play in the NHL tonight. I'm really looking forward to the outdoor games, Colorado and Vegas. Vegas is a dog tonight, uh, tomorrow for that game against Colorado. And the uh, games in Reno at Lake Tahoe, just gorgeous. I mean, gorgeous views. Every picture that the media is putting up for that game, it just looks like they should probably have a permanent series up there. It looks so incredibly good for these games for Lake Tahoe. And it's going to be fanless. There's not going to be fans there. So maybe that's why they can do this. It's on Lake Tahoe. You can see the lake. You can see the mountains. So like, hey, you don't need to go play at a football stadium in order to have fans to watch it. You're just building a rink and you're just playing because you want TV and you want to be able to show people. But I mean, it is. The rink looks outstanding. I think a lot of these guys are going to feel like they're going back to their roots of playing hockey. I think we're going to be in for some really cool games, both Saturday and Sunday. So I'm I'm jacked to watch these games this weekend. And Vegas being involved and the Bruins being involved, those are my two teams. So I get to watch one on Saturday and one on Sunday. I mean, this is just... 
this is an awesome weekend. This is going to be really, really fun if you like hockey. And I've been doing well. I went 2-1 and one in hockey last night, and I've been you know consistently making money betting on hockey. The only game I've got tonight, I've taken Winnipeg to win tonight on the road at Vancouver. I have faded the Canucks, and I've faded the Ottawa Senators consistently here to start the year. 8-11-1 for Vancouver, 9-6-1 for the Winnipeg Jets. I, I think this is going to be a win here for Winnipeg, and I was able to get it at minus 105. And I, I, I just I, – I don't think that the, the, the Canucks are all that good. And I think they've played a little bit better recently. The Canucks won the first matchup 4-1. to uh, 4-1. to one. So I think this is a, a chance for to get some revenge here for the Jets. They remember losing the game 4-1 to one to Vancouver. Jets get the payback here tonight. They get the victory. So I'm taking the Jets just to win at minus 105. Uh, let me check at the latest line at FanDuel here. Um, the line at FanDuel now is plus 100, even money. So you can get the Jets at even money at FanDuel. It's minus 118. The Canucks are a slight favorite here tonight. If you want to go and take them, uh, if you like the Canucks on the money line, you get plus 230 on that. The over is even money at over six and a half goals. The under is juiced to minus 120. So uh, six and a half seems like a high number for these two teams, to be quite honest. Uh, I don't I, I probably, if I was going to play a side, I'd probably play an under. Winnipeg ranks eighth in the NHL with 3.4 goals per game. Uh, Vancouver has been okay. They offensively have been kind of middle of the pack offensively. So uh, the Canucks are 3-6-1 over the last 10 games, giving up 2.6 goals per game. The Jets are 5-4-1, giving a, a scoring <clears throat> uh, 3.3 goals per game. Uh, sorry, sorry I, I misread that. The Canucks are scoring 2.6 goals per game while giving up 3.5 goals per game. The Jets are scoring 3.3 goals per game while scoring by, by allowing 2.7 goals per game in, in their 5-4-1 run. So I, that's my only hockey play tonight. I'm taking the Jets on the over uh, tonight. And I told you earlier, remember, there is FCS football tonight. Northern Iowa at home tonight. Matt and I, mid-major Matt and I, are on the same side. We both like Northern Iowa tonight at home. I got it at two and a half. It, it was three this morning at certain books. It's come down all the way to one and a half. I'm wondering if it's going to close with Northern Iowa Potentially being the favorite. It's one and a half still here at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Opened up at three, three and a half at certain books for South Dakota State. But again, Northern Iowa having fans in the dome, having Northern Iowa having this blackout with nearly 3,000 fans. They don't sit many. I don't think they put more than like 10,000 in that building anyway. So let me look at that. The capacity of the un, of, uh, of the Unidome. Um, I, I don't know what oh it's sixteen thousand okay for the capacity so it's you know, all right so so it's it, it's pretty significant but three thousand fans is three thousand fans they'll be screaming and yelling on a Friday night and they haven't played in a year haven't played football in a year they got a better they got the better quarterback and the better defense and I, they're higher ranked I don't really understand I don't follow FCS football as closely as I probably should but I think South Dakota State being the favorite is the mistake there I got I got a home dog at two and a half. Give me Northern Iowa. I think they win the game outright, by the way. You get plus 106 at the Vandal Sportsbook right now if you want to take the Panthers at home tonight. I think they win the game outright, but I like Northern Iowa a lot tonight outright. So uh, we're, going, we're going outright with Northern Iowa. 
uh, to win the game, and it's college football, and it's FCS football, and I'm just psyched. <laughs> I'm psyched to watch football. I'm psyched to have it. Uh, I think it's, it actually could turn out to be really good for the FCS to play this spring football season because we don't have the XFL, we don't have the AAF, and people are going to want to watch football, and they're going to want to watch it, and professional football just doesn't have the same pageantry and emotion as college football, and you get standalone FCS games, and the FCS tournament is incredible. I mean, it's just so fun to watch that 16-team tournament, and when I was in school, we had Mike Corey on earlier. When Mike Corey and I were in school together, UMass in 1998 won the national championship at FCS at the FCS level by winning the tournament, by going through the tournament, winning in Chattanooga and shocking some people, and we both were broadcasting. I, I broadcasted the, the national semifinal. I don't think Mike called the final. He may have called the final, but I called the semifinal for UMass, and I mean, just it's exciting. It's ex- it's so cool, and for schools that aren't huge and don't have the budgets for D1 or FBS football, I mean, mile amount of UMass never should have left FBS. It's been an absolute disaster. They are a sports betting dream to fade UMass over and over and over again because they are the worst Division One football program in the country at FBS. They got mad because UConn got all the accolades, and it's like UMass was like, we got to go too. Blah. All right, back to college basketball. Chris Dobberdeen is going to join us, bracketologist. Let's talk about who's in, who's out, who needs to play better this weekend to get a bubble bid coming up in the tournament, and fans in the stands for the tournament next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you're tired of losing on FanDuel and DraftKings, it's time to learn how to climb the leaderboards from the game's best DFS player. Whether it's easy-to-use projections and lineup building tools or sophisticated slate simulations and ownership projections, Daily Roto can help both the casual and experienced fantasy player realize their edge. Dunk on the competition on FanDuel and DraftKings with DailyRoto.com. Start your 30-day free trial with a promo radio and become Daily Roto's next daily fantasy millionaire. That's DailyRoto.com. Promo code radio. This is Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. Who is in? Who is out? Let's talk some bracketology here with Chris Doberdeen at Chris Doberdeen on Twitter here on Pushing the Odds. Chris, happy March Madness time. It's not March yet, but we're quickly approaching it. Good morning, good afternoon. What's up, Chris? How are you? Good afternoon. Yeah, I can't believe it, but Sunday will be three weeks away, which, you know, you think about how the season has been that we're, you know, that far along to me just was completely just just blows my mind. All right. So the announcement this morning that fans will be in the stands up to 25 percent for the NCAA tournament. How significant, not just from, you know, the moment that we're you know, like at the end of the tunnel type of thing, but how big of a deal is that for the games themselves? Do you think to have fans at the tournament? I think it's going to really help the atmosphere because I can tell you one thing, you know, seeing a lot of games played without fans and some, even with, you know, 20%, 15%, whatever that have been in place, those games that have actually had the people in the, in the stands have been a lot better, <laughs> a lot more enjoyable to watch. And I think that that's going to help. And I, the one thing that I really want to see, though, is you're going to have a lot of teams where that might be their first opportunity having to play with the crowd this year. And I think that's going to make things very, very interesting from a competition standpoint when we get 
mm. you know, into March. So this year, when it comes to the committee looking at resumes, what does it mean for teams that have won on the road? Normally, it carries a lot of weight, but will it carry the same yeah. weight given the fact that fans have not been in the stands pretty much across the country? So far, based on, you know, kind of that sneak preview that they gave us, you know, on Saturday, I'm thinking that, you know, winning away from home, because you still have, even though you're not dealing with the crowd, you're dealing potentially with, you know, a different ball, you know, because different teams use different balls based on, you know, whoever their sneaker sponsor is, you know, different baskets, you know, so you, you still have to kind of fight, you know, the home court advantage a little bit, even though you're not dealing with fans. So, so far, they've kind of been consistent, you know, with how they've been in the past in terms of training road games. So for now, we're kind of we're kind of thinking in that fashion more than anything else. So it's the same. So no big real change. No, no drop down in significance if you are winning on the road. No, not at all. Not yet. Interesting. All right. So give me your four number one seeds right now of the tournament. If the committee came out today with the bracket, who would you expect to be the four number ones? I think it's going to be the same order that uh, we had last Saturday. Gonzaga and Baylor, one and two, pretty clearly. Michigan, Ohio State, three and four, kind of in that next level. And then, of course, the thing that, you know, they play on Sunday. I think that, you know, no matter what, I think they're both going to be there, you know, when I do my next bracket update on Tuesday. But fifth is Illinois, a team that, you know, they kind of had a little bit of of a swoon in January, but they've kind of really establish themselves as the third Big Ten contender. So I think that can go all the way through Indianapolis for Selection Sunday, that little race between the three of them for those you know, two final number one seed spots. I know Iowa had a lot of hype coming into the season, but did you see this coming where the Big Ten was going to have this type of year where we could have three of the top five seeds being out of the Big Ten? No, not in this way because, I mean, we kind of thought that Iowa was going to be there. Illinois also had a fair amount of hype as being a potential number one seed as well. But Michigan and Ohio State have kind of come out of nowhere. So that's really where the depth of the conference is kind of coming into play at this point. So your number twos, if Illinois is one of them, who are the other three? All right, then Alabama afterward. The thing that kind of hurts them is, you know, they've kind of been a nice charity for teams looking for a quality win for their own resume, and that's (laughs) kind of kept them from really jumping onto the one line. Villanova, and of course, you know, the way the Big East is, and they've had a lot of pauses, you know, they, you know, Creighton kind of took the part on Saturday. They've got UConn coming up, which is going to be very, you know, a very interesting game with the Huskies finally kind of rounding back into health. And then despite that loss to Wichita State last night, I still have Houston there um, just because Mm. their computer numbers are so good. And their record by percentage against quad one and quad two is a little bit better than than West Virginia and Oklahoma, who are just behind them in the pecking order. Of those four number two seeds you just listed, who has the best shot at potentially getting a number one seed? I think it's simply Illinois just because they're, you know, we have that Big Ten tournament coming up. I think that's probably going to determine who out of Michigan, Ohio State, and Illinois gets that. I think, you know, Two of them get there. It's just a question of which two. And I think Illinois, therefore, is in really good position. All right. Overall, how do you feel about the quality of teams on the bubble right now? Do we have a heavy, nice bubble, or is it slim pickings at the bottom of the end? The, the thing that we have, and, and this is why I kind of wish the committee had done, you know, not the top 16, but who's kind of on the cut line. We have a whole bunch of teams that I'm not really sure what to think of them. I mean, 
my last four teams in right now are all power conference teams. It's Stanford, Minnesota, North Carolina, and St. John's because, you know, those teams have been able to get quality wins. The committee, you know, granted they had Belmont as one of the last four in, you know, back in 2019. You know, they, they've still been kind of more focused on power conference teams than on mid-majors. And when you factor in the issues that mid-majors in particular had in getting quality non-conference games and, and for what we had in November and December this year, you know, I kind of think that those teams are probably going to get the nod over teams like St. Louis and Drake and St. Bonaventure oh. and Richmond, who are my first four out. Of my first eight teams out, seven of them are from mid-major conferences, with Ole Miss being the only exception. Chris Dobberdeen joining us here on Pushing the Odds, talking Bracketology. You're breaking my heart. Okay, so St. Louis plays tonight at Dayton. What's your take on St. Louis with all the COVID stoppages and whatnot? If they go on a run here and they win some games on the road and say win a couple games in the A-10 tournament, do you think they can get in given what's going on? They were picked as a top 25 team going into the season. Yeah, I think they have a great shot because you look at what they have ahead of them. They have, as you said, that road game with Dayton tonight. They have to play at BCU, which would be a quad one win. Richmond, that would be in a, another opportunity for quad two to win, depending on how the Spiders do. That could even potentially end up being a quad one at the end. And then you factor in the fact that they, you know, they've already beaten LSU. They've beaten NC State, even though NC State is, you know, kind of falling off the bubble at this point. So they're going to be in position where they're going to potentially have some nice tie-breaking wins that could get them, you know, not even into Dayton. They could potentially end up being an 11 seed, you know, playing, you know, a regular first-round game if, if things break right for them. So you have Loyola Chicago as an 11 seed getting an auto bid, you know, winning the Valley, and yeah. Drake out, and Drake out not winning the Valley. These two teams played a couple of uh, last week, and they split one and one. First game to, to Loyola, second game to Drake. Do yeah. you see, is, it, is the Valley a one-bid league? Is it either Loyola or Drake, or can they both get in? I think it probably is going to be a one-bid league, and and this goes to how Drake has lost its two games. You know, Drake was up there. You know, they were kind of up there in the top 15 along with Loyola and the net. But their two losses, Valpo, who's 229th. And, of course, the night before they played Valpo, you know, they're doing back-to-backs in the Valley this year. They lost to them by three. Or they beat them by three. And they had to rally to get there. And the next night they lost by 17. They lose to Loyola Chicago by 27. So, you know, they have these two losses that are massive double-digit losses, and that's, you know, dropped their net by about almost 20 spots. So now they're at 34, and when you're a mid-major at that range, you're kind of in trouble, and when you have no non-conference victories to speak of, they really missed out because they played in a tournament in – at Kansas State at the beginning of the season. Kansas State's been terrible. Colorado was also there, but they played Kansas State and South Dakota. They didn't get to play Colorado, which would have been a nice opportunity for them to kind of beef up their resume. So if they don't win Arch Madness, I think they're in real trouble. And I think the same thing goes for Loyola just because they couldn't, you know, they lost by a bucket to Richmond. They couldn't win Wisconsin. They don't have the non-conference win either. But I think the advanced metrics help the Ramblers a little bit because they've been able to keep those losing margins in place so they don't really fall in the net all that much. And if they end up in the top 15 of the net, I think that there's no doubt that they're going to end up in the field. Interesting. So, Chris, to the Mountain West Conference, first question is, how many teams from the Mountain West do you have in? 
And who do you have winning the Mountain West Conference Tournament? Because I think that thing's going to be wide open coming up here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and this is the problem. I, you know, I have Boise State in because they, you know, they got to win over Utah State. That knocked the Aggies out. Colorado State's out. San Diego State is still in just because they have a really nice when they have one of the better non-conference wins, you know, in the league. And the fact that they beat UCLA to start the season. And of course, Boise State has beaten BYU on the road, so that gives them a little bit, a little bit of a push too. But Colorado State and and Utah State to me are really kind of the the very interesting cases out of that conference. I think that really at the moment, you know, Boise State and San Diego State have a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more cushion. You know, San Diego State, even though they lost to Utah State twice. Utah State has a couple of bad losses. They lost to South Dakota State in the rearranged battle for Atlanta up in South Dakota. They split with UNLV. UNLV is 172 in the net right now. Um, Mm. And Colorado State, on the other hand, you know, they split with Utah State. They split with San Diego State, but those were on the roads. They've got a nice, you know, couple road wins there, and they split with Boise State. So, as you said, it's going to be very interesting to see how these teams potentially deal with rubber matches in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks. And the other side of it, too, is you have Nevada, who's been a very uh, problematic team for some of the teams, you know, at the top of the league. I mean, having swept Boise State, they split with Colorado State. So, you know, they're another team that could potentially cause some danger uh, at the Thomas and Mack in a couple of weekends. Chris, I got about a minute left here. If you're a Hawkeye fan and you're looking at you, you put in Iowa at number three. Uh, hell, yeah. How likely is it if Iowa won the Big Ten, could they get a two or, or a one even? Yeah, because it's the same types of factors that are kind of in play. You know, with Illinois also apply to Iowa. The big thing for the Hawkeyes was they've had this habit the past few years of just struggling through February and March. They seem to be breaking out of it. They're fifth in the net. So that's really going to help them out. And you look at what kind of they have left on their schedule. You know, they've got to play at Ohio State at Michigan, and they go Wisconsin, who they just beat in Madison, you know, back in Iowa City. So right there, those are three wins that could really elevate, you know, really skyrocket their seed if they get, you know, three wins in those games. Hmm. It's great talking bracketology. The tournament, as you mentioned, a little over three weeks away from Sunday, or three weeks away from Sunday for us. Chris, great stuff today. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate the time. You're very welcome, Matt. Thank you. That is Chris Doberdeen at Chris Doberdeen. You can follow his stuff on bloggingthebracket.com. Great stuff right now with his latest post that came in three weeks away from the tournament, three weeks and two days away from the tournament, uh, and Selection Sunday as we get rocking and rolling in, in, in Indianapolis. And remember, we do have fans in stands. That announcement was made today by the NCAA tournament, by the NCAA, that there's going to be fans at the tournament. Up to 25% of the fans are going to be there. Interesting stuff about Iowa potentially moving up and getting into a number two or a number one seed. I'm totally bummed out about the Drake situation. That I think Drake, in a year where Michigan State, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, you know, North Carolina's in, according to Chris, but you know, and, and all of these, you know, all, all of these teams, these blue bloods who haven't been good for the Valley not to be a two bid league bums me out. The Missouri Valley should be a two-bid league, in my opinion. And hopefully Drake gets in. I hope that they play well down the stretch and they, the committee puts them in because I think Drake 100% has earned the right. They've lost two games, for goodness sakes. I know it's you know level of competition, but, man, I think Drake should get in. Lots to come. It's Sports Grid Radio, Channel 204.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. All right, we'll wrap the week with a couple of PTO picks plays. And so I told you about Winnipeg on the money line. I told you about Northern Iowa at plus two and a half tonight. That number is one and a half. I still think Northern Iowa at plus one and a half is a good value. I got two and a half, but that's a pretty good value. I think the Panthers win tonight in college football. I think Winnipeg just wins the game outright tonight on the road. Uh, Slight dog, even money at the FanDuel Sportsbook right now for their game coming up against the Vancouver Canucks in hockey. And then I like the two plays we talked about with mid-major Matt that I think are worth jumping on here. Team team total for Toledo at 81 over 81 for Toledo. They have consistently scored more than 80 points a game, and Buffalo plays no defense. No, Toledo doesn't play defense either, but over 81. And then San Jose State under 64.5 against UNLV, which I expect a really slow, slow game there and a low-scoring game much like what we've seen in other games involving UNLV. They've shot the ball fairly well in the past, but you know UNLV is 15-point favorites, and I don't think UNLV is going to score more than 70 points. So, I mean, if they get anywhere near that 15, I think it could be like a 58-59 point total here for San Jose State. So go 64.5 and go with the under, the team total under for San Jose State at 64.5 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, those are four plays that I'll definitely, you know, we'll, let's go ahead and chalk those in for PTO picks. Plays I'll make and plays that I would recommend making here tonight. Uh, so a hockey play, college basketball, two college basketball plays, and a college football play coming up here for tonight. I can't wait to watch Vegas and Colorado play here for the outdoor games on Saturday. I'm going to take Vegas to win that game and to get revenge. They won the first game 1-0 against Colorado. They lost the second game 3-2 to Colorado. And I think we see the Vegas Golden Knights come back on Saturday to get that win in the outdoor game for the NHL outdoors at Lake Tahoe. I can't wait to watch that game tomorrow night. It's going to be tomorrow afternoon. It's going to be so, so fun. All right, have a great weekend, everybody. We hand things off to Brian Blessing, staying here in Las Vegas. Lunchtime with Bookmakers comes up next here on Sports Grid Radio Channel 204. Have a great weekend. We're back on Monday at noon Eastern here on Sports Grid Channel 204.